Good evening, everybody. It's Jean Nathan, and um, we're both uh, regretting the loss of some extremely special people that we all cared a lot about, and they weren't some kind of distant celebrities that you might have heard on the uh, stage somewhere. They were um, members of the community with us. They were all members of the community, and attending Leah Chase's memorial on Saturday night particularly brought that home, where there were so many stories about her interactions with people that were like everybody in the city was her best friend, people who could come into the uh, kitchen and talk with her and, and um, had, a, had a personal relationship with this woman who was so important to in, in so many ways in the city in terms of culinary history, in terms of civil rights, in terms of just playing community. Dr. John on the heels. Oh, my God, Mac Revenack, another person who um, I once had in my living room for a talk about the environment. And uh, he was promising me that the Indian chiefs were going to take care of it, you know. <laughs> And Spencer Bowen, I'm less familiar with, but um, he's another one who has a huge following of folks who were um, cared a lot about his blues and his storytelling. Um, so these are legends that we are losing. But I want to talk tonight also with some folks who have their finger on the future and are dealing with the younger um, talent and creatives of our city, cultural icons to be that um, are coming up through our schools and our, all of our special programs. We have so many programs. I don't think anybody knows what they all are right now. But um, Kyle Wedberg from NOCA is going to talk with us, and um, Delphio Marcellus is going to join us shortly, and he's got a youth group he's been working with. And so we're going to get a little heads up from them on um, – what what what's coming down the pike? The the new the new talent. Um, but I kind of want to start with um, a, a question that has been on my mind, and that is that the the world as it was um, when Leah was coming up, when when um, uh, uh, Mac Rebenack was playing at the old Dew Drop Inn, and we're talking about the original one right on LaSalle Street. Um, there, there was a development of, of the music in that era, you know, Professor Longhair and Toussaint, and the, the list goes on forever, from the early jazz guys into the early um, R&B guys, into the funk, into the jazz, the whole thing. And um, it was, there was such a natural development, a natural process. And I, I'm from New York where there's a lot of great entertainment and great music, but it's more people coming from everywhere to that place because it's a marketplace and bringing influences in. But here, I often say recently that our past is in the present. You know, we, we uh, are expressing still cultural influences that are 300 years old. And so what I wonder about is as, we, as our new folks are coming up and are being trained at NOCA, um, with with Delphio's group, with with Roots of Music, with other groups, how how is the whole um, foundation of our culture evolving? So that that's kind of, that's my I'm curious about how different is this going to be now from what it was, you know, when when music was evolving straight off the streets from the Mardi Gras Indians and the Second Line bands. Not that it isn't still, but it's it's a different they're getting trained yeah so first of all thanks for having me on gene it's a pleasure and a privilege um you know and 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 as as we were kind of exchanging notes this week and i was thinking about it um first of all the um someone like miss chase is is irreplaceable you know she is an entity unto herself uh, as a person, as a soul, as a being, um, she is she is singular and irreplaceable. And her leadership, I think, arts are still a place where we turn to in this community to to find and and see our leaders. But I think her leadership is born of conditions that um, 
I hope never get replicated, right? A time where um, she and Duke broke the law by letting people come together in their restaurants. Black and white, eating together By social in a conditions mm-hmm. that required uh, us uh, as a society being separated from one another. So the conditions that, that, that she championed and led through, um, uh, I hope, uh, uh, are, are behind us. Some days it feels more like it than others. Um, so we and feel so, like we're in the second civil war sometimes is what some folks say. Well, I think, I think, you know, f- from, from, from where I sit and the incredible young people I'm privileged to see and the burgeoning career, you know, the burgeoning careers that I, I get to see coming at NOCA, I have more, I think I have more reason for optimism and, and, and hope than some. Um, I really do see powerful, voices that are developing their own canon and their own aesthetic. Um, I think it can't be lost for those that were in the um, in the church at St. Peter Claver uh, on, on Monday. Um, it can't be lost that uh, the two people that led Miss Leah out were NOCA alums, right? You got Terrence Blanchard and you got Troy Andrews. And as you get outside of Peter Claver, you're standing under the statuary that was um, put in place by Marcus Brown, uh, uh, who's a NOCA alum and uh, um, uh, a faculty member uh, currently. So, you know, I'm uh, uh, heartened by uh, uh, Ben Jaffe and, and, and Prez Hall and what Ben says as a NOCA alum, you know, that if they're over 68 – uh, uh, they're part of our, our traditional canon uh, at Prez Hall, and if they're under 68, they're probably an Oklahoma and the growing part of the of the of the tradition. Um, like he and Mr. Ford and Kyle uh, Roussel and all the all the people that are at Prez Hall now that that are alums. So, you know, I think the future is different because the voices are going to be different. But I think, and my hope and my belief is. That when you see the artwork of of uh, Brandon Odoms of B Mike, that he's constantly referencing Willie Birch and he's constantly referencing John Scott. That when you watch uh, uh, Troy, when you watch Shorty and Terrence lead Ms. Chase out, um, it's that the voices that we lose when we lose a Toussaint and when we lose uh, a Dr. John, they're irreplaceable. And so I think it's incumbent on um, the next generation, and and as they have reverence for those that came before, and I, I really do believe that our artists um, have a lot of investment and reverence in those that came before, and I think that's part of, of what makes our art unique is that it is a constant uh, um, uh, uh, regeneration uh, but not a reinvention, that it is it is taking from those that have gone before, carrying their spirit forward, but doing it with a different voice and a different aesthetic that is of, of the generation that's here. And, you know, in terms of what we can be optimistic about, we can be optimistic about Philip Yeomans, 19-year-olds who are winning Tribeca with films that were made here in this city as high school seniors, um, uh, that are now taken out in the world in stories that are uniquely Louisiana, uh, but winning awards, winning recognition, and telling a story of another generation that is born of and out of the tradition of all of the incredible art that is this community. Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I, I'm fully assuming that that's going to be the case, and and more so here than in many places at least in part because of the pervasiveness of street music, of the continuing um, influence of our marching bands and our Mardi Gras Indians and and various social aid pleasure entities. But I think the easiest way to lose that is to assume it will be. If we are not conscious about having neighborhoods that incubate that and places that incubate that and groups that incubate that like you i mean you you referenced eric uh and and roots um you know a couple of years ago they had been kind of in diaspora and and we found uh, uh a spot for them uh that's mere blocks from noca so roots. we can mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you know so now they're 
they're down at, at uh, 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 Burgundy and Franklin uh, at, at the old St. Paul's, which is fabulous to have them in the neighborhood, and I like having them in St. the neighborhood. St. Peter and Paul's? No, down from St. Peter's and Paul's, uh, the old elementary school, but just down Burgundy. They're at the, the what was an elementary school for 120 years at the old German oh, okay. Lutheran right, school, right, right, right. Uh, and now it's Roots. And that's fantastic to have that bus traffic and that life and those students there, and that's four blocks from NOCA. And so I can get families in the routine of being in the neighborhood and being uh, uh, part of that continuum, and it can mm-hmm. become part of the continuum because post-Katrina, we've lost some arts. You know, I mean, there were, there were things that po- pre-05 we did not do well in our public schools for sure. Arts isn't one of them. Arts we actually did a really nice job with. Uh, uh, it wasn't what it had been, though, already before Katrina. I mean, um, you know, we there was a lot there was a lot more, say, 10, 15 years ago than there was just before the storm. The, and, 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 Which is true everywhere in America, unfortunately. And, and so not just here. You know, whether it be the no child left behind and those things that we did leave behind or the storm, coming into uh, an institution that's been around for 45 years, there was a time 20 years ago um, where I had 120 teachers out in the Orleans public schools who were saying, you're a NOCA kid, you're a NOCA kid, you're a NOCA kid. And I had a pipeline that was a little bit different than it is today. And I had programs that were pyramiding and developing students that, that's a little bit different than it is today. So, so what do you mean by that? Uh, uh, tell me what's happening now that is not what was happening then or is different. So I had – This had, is what I'm trying to get at. I'm yeah. trying to understand the context uh, for our – Creativity, so not, I had a, obviously not just music, but with an emphasis on music to some extent. But, um, you know, how is it different and how will the outcome of the kind of music that we generate and the art that we generate be different? So I had a band director in every school and I had you access. Had a band director in every school. And I had access programs, right, where every kid was learning music. And then there was a, a group of those students who were saying, I really like this and I want to carry on. And then I had that teacher who was saying, you're going to be in select band. You're going to be in orchestra. And so by the time they got to the place where they were auditioning for NOCA, they had years under their belt, not weekends, not days, but years under their belt where they had been developing a sound and an instrument. And I think as we experience neighborhoods – Is that not true now? It's it's not, it's not as um, – it's not as ubiquitous. It's not as widespread as it is. Is that partially was. a result of the charter decentralization? It's part of yeah. There's no one in charge of music at the central office at OPSB. There's no one in charge of arts in Baton Rouge at Department of Education. So this isn't um, an indictment of 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 any single group, uh, but it is a, a, a pattern and a condition that that we've. Experienced where there's less investment of arts because there's more uh, concentration on 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 tests and 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 teaching, which is not without reason, not without logic, not without substance, but it can't be an either or. And I think um, uh, I would love to see more investment in terms of of the number of programs, the number of teachers, the number of access opportunities, but then that growth of students. So that I'm – because I'm looking at parishes around Orleans. Hold on one second. Yeah. Uh, let me just tell Jazz. I think that Delphio is – okay. Another NOCA alum in Delphio yeah. Marcellus, who I'm very excited that you're having on. Yeah. But I think I look at other parishes that are doing some investment in, in gifted and talented around us, Jefferson, St. Tammany, even St. Bernard, where I'm seeing more and more of their students, St. Charles Parish, that, 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 that investment in the arts is showing in the growth of its students – a little bit different than it has in, in New Orleans. And as we have some neighborhoods like the Treme, like the Ninth Ward, like the Seventh Ward, that have experienced big shift and rental populations in that demographics, never returned. In demographics, I, see, I live in Treme, and I see it in Treme. So that was my next question is how is the, let's call it what it is, gentrification affecting also, again, this pool of cultural influence and talent. And I mean, you know, one of the things that I, th- I think we all have to acknowledge is that, again, a lot of the music influence was coming from the block, 
literally the block you lived on, your home, your stoop, the music that was emanating. If if that population is is drastically, which it is, changed. So some of that training was, you know, I, 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 when when it's like it's like the phrase folk art. You know, when people when people talk about. One of my favorite NOCA alums just walked in. When people talk about folk art... Delcio some, Marcellus is in the studio. In some cases, people are using folk art as a, as a, as a term of, of, of unintended derision or, or, or pejorative in terms of seeing it as less than. So for me, I think about it as formal and informal because in some cases, the informal was better than some of the formal training going on nationally. It just happened to be happening in... In, in in family rooms and on front stoops and 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 in settings that were not formal educational uh, right. models and right. so if we've lost the informal and we're not investing in the formal this is where I said earlier if we aren't deliberate about it what we take for granted could actually go away so let me catch you up uh, Delphia you weren't listening were you on the way I was you were yeah. all right so you kind of <laughs> know what we're or speaking about so <clears throat> what I'm trying to understand is um, the difference between the context of the legends we're losing, mm-hmm. who were um, affected by, as we were saying, this informal uh, uh, world of music. Uh, you know, I, I think about um, the dewdrop, the old dewdrop, and uh, how people were there 24/7 and were influencing each other, and the music was evolving. And then the street music and and the informal music on the block and this uh, I sometimes have been saying lately that uh, in New Orleans the past is not past it's present it's part of what we do and that's what distinguishes us from some other places but um, there's change and there's demographic change which is kind of scary I live in Treme and I can walk down a street in Treme now and not see the folks who used to be there. Mm-hmm. And um, that worries me about how this is going to develop, and that's exactly where we were. We were just moving into how will um, the, these changes affect the creativity, the music going forward? How is it going to be different? And I also wanted to hear from you. The, the, the initial premise was, okay, we're losing some legends, but we have new ones coming up. And I wanted you guys to kind of, you know, uh, uh, give a shout out to some of the f- young folks that are out there, and Jazz is going to try to. Um, we're going to play a little bit from each of some of the people that you you tell me we should say. Okay, here's what's coming mm-hmm. of the young people in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh yeah, we're okay. talking about New Orleans. That, that, yeah. that might be a challenge. Other than for the, some of the brass bands, of course, as you mentioned, the street bands. Uh, one one of the difficulties that we have in Herlin Riley and I spoke at length after we returned after Hurricane Katrina about more of the need. It wasn't something that I ever was so concerned with, the need to preserve certain New Orleans traditions. But I, I guess I'm really seeing the effects now. And, you know, I, I have the Uptown Jazz Orchestra. And, man, it's just it's so tough to get the younger musicians to embrace New Orleans music. And one of the, the, <clears throat> the great missteps in the jazz world was to have the Thelonious Monk Institute here for X number of years, and I don't know of anyone that came through that program that embraced the New Orleans sound. <clears throat> oh, interesting. And that's uh-huh. that's just something that we struggle with. You know, unfortunately, we attract the, the type of students who prefer to kind of be like the scientist in a laboratory. So they prefer to just stay at home and practice these skills and learn different things. And um, <clears throat> very difficult to just – and I'm at the point now actually where – and I'm glad that you invited me. I'm realizing that I just have to, as a band leader, demand that the saxophone players learn about Herbert Hardesty and that they learn the saxophone solos of Lee Allen, who played with Fats Domino. Uh, because in a lot of instances, I find that the students, uh, in my opinion, they kind of look down at the what's m- stuff. The, the more of the R&B, though. Like New Orleans oh. is not, and I would always tell people, if you're talking about the, the quintessential New Orleans sound, it's not anyone in my family. Like, my dad could only come from New Orleans with the way that he plays. But if you were to say to someone, man, I want to hear a classic New Orleans sound, I would not say, oh, my dad. So, yeah. but the great thing about New Orleans, it's a, a lot like African cultures. Everybody can be cool with what they do. So, you know, all the, the older guys, Alan Toussaint, 
or Eddie Bo, they all knew about my dad. And they were like, well, this wasn't necessarily what we did. And I'm paraphrasing. They never said this, but they had the utmost respect, whereas what you find on the jazz side is less of that, less of that. So, man, I'm I'm delighted when someone like Corey Henry, for example, comes to play with my band. Man, Corey Henry, and we find something for him to play. Can we? Can, can you catch some? Uh, Man, get some Corey Henry. Yeah, Lord we were we, we were trying to line up some talent, but let's add Corey Landry to our list. Henry, Corey Henry. Henry, Henry. I'm sorry, Henry, yeah. the Did trombone player, Corey Henry. Corey Landry. Yeah. I don't even know who that is, but um, I, I do that with names sometimes. But I I, I, I I see you giving props to the to the bone players. That's, yeah. that's oh that's yeah, it. but I often tell you know the Nokas two times. I you know I had a, a, an exchange with with a, a young man once and. And they always come to me, man, what should I work on? And they're not interested in And I always tell them, go play with the guys in the street. Because, but, first of all, they play for real. They play honest. And all the great musicians I play with, Elvin Jones and Milt Hinton and, and Clark Terry, these guys always said one thing, this music is about honesty. And a lot of times the, the jazz artist is, is actually trying to hide from the truth. I think I think we've had you know Mr. Bruni has been coming back, Mr. Wendell has been coming back in and working with students, and it's been really nice to see someone who's working with students and allowing you know whether it's it's yourself or Chris Severin. How'd you do that? How'd you do that? So it, that it's not all just off of charts. That it is working with someone in that artist apprentice model and watching how they do it and and having members of your big band. Uh, whether it be Kari, uh, uh, Lee, or, or those are the people that working with a student, how'd you do that? How'd you do that? Cause that's the tradition is, 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 is playing with someone who's a lot better than you are and then learning from them in that way, not just like you said, sitting in a room and practicing charts. They have to, they have to embrace the New Orleans sound. Man, the New Orleans sound is so great. I still can't. Everybody wants to sound like Coltrane, who was from Hamlet, North Carolina. Like whoever was like, man, I want to be like I'm from Hamlet, North Carolina. Like who's ever said that? <laughs> Well, I love going to Hamlet. You know, it's like, <laughs> and you know, look, man, props to props to Coltrane for what he was able to to uh, accomplish, and he practiced, and he was very studious. Man, but the New Orleans sound it has just a, such a long-standing tradition of greatness and things that affect people like on a real on, on every level. Louis Armstrong was a person that affects everybody. Anybody can hear Louis Armstrong and say, "Yeah, yeah, this is what's happening." So, so there, there are two threads uh, that I came to this with, and you, you guys are going to weave a fabric way beyond my thread. So, thread number one was, okay, we just lost some legends, and and not just the most recent spate that just happened in the past week, which was kind of weird, but sometimes hot weather. I don't know. I, it scares me sometimes. It, it, it kind of brings to a boil, so to speak, things that were happening. But. Um, so uh, we lost them, but we have new young cats coming up, and and I wanted to sort of reassure everybody that um, while these are irreplaceable, as Kyle was just saying, Leah Chase is irreplaceable. Her experience, her life, and and the context that those folks came out of, um, it, it's it ain't there no more. It's different. So right. I was trying to figure out how will the kids coming up through Noka or through your orchestra, or, and through today, and, and just what you're saying, and with a lot more national influence, because one of the reasons that was happening back then is that the national was not impinging on the local as much as it is now. Now it's like pervasive. You can't, you know, you're, it's on your phone, it's in your hands all the time. So how is it changing, and, and how how are you guys, uh, and, and Kyle was talking about the schools don't have enough, um, uh, uh, music education yeah, and, and teachers, arts education right. in general. In mm-hmm. it. Let's hear just a little bit of, of Corey Henry as a way of, 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 you know, really punctuating what we're talking about.
So um, this is really interesting because, of course, I'm hearing that beat that I always say there is nobody who is not from New Orleans who can ever play the New Orleans beat. Here's some that Cold come, stop. Cold right. stop. They come close. They, they practice they, they, it. They approach it. They imitate right. it. it. It would be like... I don't know. It would be like, Just like me the gumbo. dancing New Orleans yeah. style. You know, I can kind of approximate. <laughs> There's but an you, old. Uh, you know, I'm not from here. Story someone told me about Alvin Batiste, uh, and and it was in a master class in Noka, and uh, a visiting artist was was correcting students, and Alvin put his hand up and he said, "It's their God-given right as a New Orleanian to play the backside of the beat. Move on." That that idea that that they're playing it the way that they know how to play it, and that's actually okay. And so, just because it doesn't match your ears, doesn't mean it's wrong. So okay. let's move on. Okay. Right, and we, we we have to get back to the real essence of why people play music anyway, which is you know one of first and foremost to help others to heal. And I've had instances where people in the audience, say, man, this is, you know, right after our, our president was elected in '16, <laughs> I had we did it. You know, that was, the, we played the night after, right? Yeah, it was a Tuesday. So we played Wednesday night, and we played a song called The Great Wall of Mexico back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there were, there were two ladies, and one came up, and, you know, she was crying. She said, God, we really needed this. So, you know, it's the job Healing. of a musician to heal. A lot, a lot of, I think the, the students don't really understand that. They're like, no, 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 I leave that to the doctors. I just want to play these scales, and I want to sound good. And it's like, eh, you know, sounding good is kind of relative. Roger Lewis is, is a great example. I mean, Roger. He's the person that every age people love Roger Lewis. We played Mac 35. We played Mac 15. And at some point in the concert, the little kid got a question. Yeah, can he play? Can Roger Lewis play? And it's just something about him that's infectious. Like he understands. He has the pipeline to communicate to people. And this is what it, it's a hard thing to, to really learn that. Do we have some Roger Lewis, do you think? Oh, you can put on... Uh, 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 Blackbird. Oh no! Uh, what's the song on the record? If y'all had, y'all have my CD here. Make here? Ameri- America. If y'all got Make America Great Again, put on the uh, the second track. Okay, keep going. So, um, but I mean, Roger, you know, the Dirty Dozen. It doesn't have to be ours, actually. No, mm-hmm. just any Dirty Dozen, man. Blackbird, you know. But and and you know, I, again, I I understand. Like for me, it's great as a, a producer. Also, it's like I know that the spirit is the more important thing. So sometimes we have a take and maybe somebody's not playing all of the changes or maybe they they can't read music. But I'm like, man, who cares? You know, because this is the person that's... We programmed until recently, all of our shows were programmed around Roger Lewis. It's like, I know Roger's going to close the setup. He's the closer. And that's a special, unique thing that he he has that, that real New Orleans quality. And I mean, I understand it as a band leader. I'm not like, man, it all has to be about me. It's about... Who is really representing the music? Herlin Riley. That's the real Shannon Powell. That's real New Orleans. I mean, there's plenty of people out here. We just have to make sure that that the younger folk understand and really have a respect for. What so, the so sound how's of that Orleans. going? I mean, what, what, when do you break through and when don't you? And same thing on your end. What is the Noka experience? Like and how are you fostering this connection between the roots and and um, the? Ex- I, I, I want to say also the innovation and the experimentation. You want that too. You want the new. Well, I, you know, and I'm thinking in in multiple art forms. So I, I leave it to the band leader and the producer to to speak on music. Delphio's that's that's where that's where he lives. I will say that I think the balance. And the thing that that in terms of, of of the next generation is finding that 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 precarious walk between um, listening and growing from and being an evolution of those that came before you, and not going to a place where you just imitate them and you're comfortable right. because this is where I said earlier. And, there is not going to be another Herland. There is not going to be another Shannon. They have all the tradition, and they have their own voice. And I think that's the that's the thing that we are striving for is to give all of that technical grounding and the 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 sound that comes from the soil, 
or the the vision that comes from the story or the visual arts or the uh, um, acting that comes from the soil, but then empowering a student to have their own voice because that's what I was saying earlier is that we're lost if we just try to imitate the past. It has to be young people that are having their own voice and own vision for what the the next generation of that is, you know. And again, I used the example earlier of, of, of Brandon Odoms. I'm really inspired by what he's chosen to do, but there is constant echoes from what came before him through his work. And um, I can't remember exactly the quote and who said it, but I, you often hear people in the creative world speak that you can't innovate unless you know the past. Yeah, imitate. What is it? Innovate. You can't right. innovate. It's, you can't go forward and do something different and new unless you know how to do what was done right. before. No, and but they ha- say imitate, regurgitate, innovate. Okay. So you have to, you know, you imitate something. You have to learn I see it. What you're saying. And yeah. then you play it exactly that way. Uh, again, it, to me, it, you know, Joe Dyson Jr. is another one. Yeah, that was one of the names yeah. I said yeah. earlier. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to, we lined His up, music Chase. is just, and I mean, he's <laughs> He's got the real thing. But that that you know? that is the that that is the evolution that carries the respect of the past. That is that is a, a phenomenal right. example of right. someone who does that well. Max Moran is an example of someone who does that well. I mean, there are there are stories being told that are this interesting. This is Jason. Oh, this is um... Snowball. Oh, this Snowball. Yeah, 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 yeah. Roger. That's the that's the uh, right. and Joe Dice is on drums. Gregory Ajib is on clarinet, I think is what you hear. clarinet. I was thinking it was soprano. No, it's clarinet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's a combination of the traditional New Orleans style where the, the clarinet is always playing obligato. Not always, but... And then we got the, the, the harmonized parts and the street band sound. That's what we call the wild card. You know, clarinet, you can just keep playing. And Greg comes out of the... I mean, he's in Oklahoma. He comes out of the tradition that was my introduction to New Orleans music as a kid. My father would play music from like uh, Louis Armstrong's Hot Five, Hot Five yeah. and the clarinet was always such a big part of it. It resonates for me big time. So let's uh, 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 introduce maybe also that Jason Weaver. You had that lined up from before. So, so I'm still trying to get my arms around how you feel now what you're doing and what you're doing and, and so many others that there are a lot of different um, uh, music, uh, I don't know what to call them, training efforts in one way or another that are operating in the city right now. So how do you, uh, how, how do you see it going forward? What, what, how is the music going to evolve? What is it going to sound like in, in 10 years? And, and, and what are we going to be saying about it? Hopefully it's going to be more funky. You know, it's like the guys are shying away from the funk. It's kind of like, it's a strange thing how it, the music has evolved from being funky and something that's danceable and spiritual to this this kind of thing that's just more European in terms of the the approach to it. So it's like, and that's again, you know, Joe Dyson, a lot of the drummers that come out of the church, they get hurled. They get the they understand what it is. So hopefully, it's gonna it's, it will be okay. Not only do you have to learn. A John Coltrane solo. You got to learn a Herbert Hardesty song. You have to learn Lee Allen. You have to learn Fats Domino. And you just have to almost, or blues. I, I listen to the, what, what? Or even just as recent as the Meters. The me, but it could, it can be recent, or it doesn't have to be, because the, the idea is again the blues is you can learn the blues from any generation, and if it's talking to people, it can be effective. And this is what we just have to insist. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be more insistent. I know me personally, 
I'm, I ha- I've been kind of slacking on that, but I'm going to just get up in people's face and be like, look, bro, this is what you got to do. I think, you know, your question is, what is it going to sound like? Uh, and and my other half of that, if we're just talking about music and New Orleans music, is where is it going to be heard? I mean, I see you took a Tuesday night at Prime, which I'm psyched about. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, what are the venues? What are the places that we are going to be able to turn to hear that sound, that, you know, so... And, you know, I actually, uh, I, I wasn't intending to do this, but that kind of begs the question that we were talking about before the show, and that is that there's going to be some issues and, and struggle right now over neighborhood music. And uh, I'm all for neighborhood music, but what I have a problem with is some of these commercial entities that are bringing, uh, having like weddings on the weekends, every weekend with Sweet Home Alabama kind of music. Well, it's always going to be that. Well, just, but 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 you if know. you live next door to it, it's it's a there's an issue there. No, 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 don't just shrug your heads. No, what I'm saying is that that's that's the the cost of commerce. That's the cost of the fact that we have so many people now coming into the city, and there's these different demands. Just that's part of it. And I mean, people always say it's it's the, the age old question. You know, do, do you want to play for 10 people for your art or do you want to pay, play for, you know, 110 or for 200 people? I'm like, yeah, give me the 200 people over the 10. Give me the 2,000 people over the 200. <laughs> so, but, you you know, I'm just saying this. You, you have to reach as many people as possible. And one of the decisions that we've made here from the standpoint of not only the commercialism but the tourism is that you have to, Accept or embrace that that's what it is. Well, I, I, I'm, we're not going to go into it too heavily tonight, <laughs> but we're going to be talking about this some more because I think there's a difference between what we were talking about before in terms of the informal music on the streets, and I think that's something that needs to be, as you said, and as we're addressing here, encouraged, but something that is purely commercial and is exploitive and is not necessarily endorsing the music of New Orleans uh, and it and it's impinging on the lives of people who live around it. That's another story, and we're going to have to talk about that. Well, but let me let yeah. me go back to. Okay, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. No, but you know, I, I would say in the arts too. Terrence Osborne is a great example of someone who has found his own voice in in popular art, mm-hmm. and you know, I think that's a, a a great model for some students coming up to follow in that tradition. He kind of. You know, I mean, he has some influences, but he he kind of really he found his own his own niche. No, he's a he's no Columbia is a phenomenal example because he comes out of the Xavier tradition too. So you've you've got John Scott, you got there's a bunch of things that have influenced that, and you do not doubt when you see a piece, that's a Terrence Osborne. That's piece. New Orleans, yeah. And that's that's yeah. that's, and that's a great a, example. There's a yeah. there's a lot that's going on in the visual arts in the city right now too that. Um, doesn't get as much exposure as what's happening in music, and it's it's it, it's also evolving enormously, partially as a result of uh, an inter uh, mixing between some of the new folks in town and people who've been here, um, and and uh, and and some um, uh, African American artists, quite frankly, being taken more seriously than they were, say, ten years ago, and not being um, categorized as strictly African American, but just artists mm-hmm. and that's really important but um let's let's see uh, do you who do you have lined up jason weaver or batiste john batiste john batiste okay. yeah. john, right. john okay john is <laughs> he's he's um he's our ambassador uh, he's taking it he's to the millions yeah yep he's an ambassador and uh all his riffs you know, you can listen to the riffs, and some of them are from somewhere else. Some of them are from right here. Well, and I think he's one of them that, that, as I was saying earlier, he takes the informal and the formal, and both of them were important elements in his development. There's not a value placed on the formal. Some of it was in school. Some of it was uh, uh, from people uh, in and surrounding himself and, and, and his Doesn't family. Keith Jarrett right now. <laughs> and, and both yeah. of them were essential to him becoming who he was. Mm-hmm. Was I he went down Noka? Mm-hmm. He's from Noka. Mm-hmm. Noka one. To St. James Infirmary. And I saw my baby there. 
She was stretched out on a long white table So sweet So calm, so fair Let her go, let her go God bless her, yeah Search this wide world over, yeah. But no, she's never ever gonna find another sharp dressing piano playing man like me. did a good job. Louis Armstrong. of how you can blend the older style and what something new. Like you said, it sounds like Keith Jarrett. He's playing the modern harmonies. But, and you know, you have to really study to, you can't luck up on that. <laughs> you know, it's just That's what it right. is. Yeah. That's right. And, you know, I know over the years, people like, you know, Freddie Lonzo or Lucian Barbran, and, and they are they are the tradition. And they've made, you know, comments that they want to kind of add more modern flavor. I said, man, for what? You're the real issue, you know. You're the real deal, which, if you want to do that, you can. But there's no real reason to do that. It's up to the younger generation to. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> the gods were speaking there for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to, uh, we're going to continue talking, but I wanted to hear uh, Jason Weaver, who I'm not familiar with. So that's. Uh, he's playing with me at the Prime on uh, Tuesday nights this month, and then I believe he's moving to. And then he's moving to Europe. Belgium. But he's got, he's got a third. To where? He's to Belgium. Belgium? Yeah. Why Belgium? <laughs> A girl. Got to I be think, a girl. I think the yeah. reason we all do that. <laughs> got to be a girl. But he's, gonna, I think he's also got a uh, uh, spot this uh, Thursday night at Snug. Uh, he's, got, okay. he, he's taking yeah. a group, and but I know he's playing with you. Well, he's he, got a big scholarship to study music okay, in Belgium, but he, too. He, so. he'll, he'll be back. Uh, we hope. We, we hope. I, I, yeah. think, I think Solid as an oak tree. He's one of the yeah. one of my favorite bassists yeah. in town. He's. Um, uh, I was just in um, uh, Arkansas to go to visit a new arts facility up there. Um, it's called the Momentary, and it's kind of like, did you ever go to Studios of Colton when we had that uh, going? Oh, down? yes, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, so it's kind of like that, only in an old cheese factory, and they've got a lot of different venues and a great big field they're going to use for festivals. The guy who's running it is from Belgium. Okay. <laughs> so he goes back and forth between here and there, and he is uh, crazy about New Orleans. He came in here to talk with us about what they're doing, and... Um, Everybody, of course, comes back here at some point. But um, so, uh, as soon as uh, you got Jason, um, Jazz will listen to a little bit of that. But in the, oh, you're having trouble finding it. Gee weave. So um, you were talking about the the situation with the schools, and um, I'm very aware of the fact that we're in a moment with the schools that is very unclear. So we've been living and getting uh, um, accustomed in a way to the whole charter system. We're not fighting it quite the way we were when it started, but we still, uh, there are big issues with it, and we are not focused on it, I would have to say. Um, and, and I'm feeling like we have to be more intentional 
in what we're asking them to do. Can I feel like we kind of disconnected because it became so confusing? So if we're not getting enough arts and music education in the schools, um, what are we going to do about it? Well, I think it's fairly arbitrary and capricious that art was removed from schools. You know, there are cultures across time in Eastern and Western history where music, philosophy, math, science, they all went together. They were part of a canon um, where uh, uh, in this country uh, art was, was othered and, and, and made at, um, uh, as a, uh, an add-on or a, a, a potential uh, versus being part of the canon. And in New Orleans, art was, for, for, for a beautiful history and a lot of reasons, was uh, traditionally included in the canon. And so I think, you know, in the post-Katrina um, uh, iteration of schools, there was an idea of, of really siloing. If you wanted to have some theme to your school, that was a great idea. Uh, uh, and so if you wanted to have a musical, well, why don't you start one of those kind of schools? If you want to have a, a math school, why don't you start one of those kind of schools? And it wasn't part of a canon that every school was expected to have. And so I think um, at this point, you know, families need to demand uh, the return of arts to each of the schools, that it's not enough to have a few schools that do arts well. It needs to be returned to the canon, and that's going to be part of the demand cycle from families and parents. So, so um, you know, I, I, we, we all at this table have been involved in one way or another in our lives with forcing change, and, and change does have to be forced. And, and, and in my experience, uh, it requires certain individuals and, and groups of people deciding, okay, we're going to do this. So I feel like we're at a point that we, we got to do this in terms of trying to bring that back. Um, and then I, I think also that, um, you know, we have some school properties that have just been kind of thrown to the wind. Instead of dealing with them strategically, we've got, I don't know how many are left that are vacant. Um, and we, uh, a bunch of them are already gone. And okay, some of them are in, in good use, senior housing, whatever. But a lot of them were just, you know, given away to whoever had the highest bid on them. I wish you and I had an investment in your old classroom at the old LaSalle School uh, <laughs> uptown. Now, those are million-dollar condos now, the, the original right. NOCA building. So right, my right. point is that there are mm. some schools that are still out there. In fact, I heard, and I'm sorry that I can, I have to say that I, I, I haven't pinned down exactly somebody who can tell me exactly what's happening, but there are some schools that are going to be put out on the market again soon. What a missed opportunity for us in trying to develop our creative economy that we didn't say, let's have a strategic plan for the use of these buildings to, in, to be a part of investing in the development of our, our, our creative community. So that's just one aspect. What you're talking about is another aspect, making sure that we in, in do, in fact, go back to making sure that I, – I, you know, when I grew up in – I'm sorry, I grew up in the Bronx, and we had – music and arts education every year from from the from the sixth grade until I graduated from high school and the experiences is really old school <laughs> On air. On air. Are we on air? We're on air. Oh, all right. So I was just saying that, you know, we, we had we had arts and music education, and it affected me for the rest of my life. I mean, I, I, I learned about jazz through that, and um, I was taken to, you know, the Museum of Modern Art in, in, in Manhattan. Once I was there, once I was there for the rest of my life. And so I, I want to see I'm that curious, come back. Delphio, when you were mm -hmm. coming up in schools, what would you say the percentage of students in the Orleans public schools that could read music? I don't. 80%? There's no way for me to, to know that. Uh, of those who were playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, that's probably fair. But most students got exposed most to students. Some, some level of a choir or uh, a band. Right. Right. I, w I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, the, the tough part now is so many kids are able to go out on the street more so than then. 
and get in a brass band. Okay. That, okay. Uh, We're going to get Chris Scott. Will be our next uh, kind of Christian. Okay. Uh, legend to come is is, is what yeah, we're dealing with. At the same time, we're talking about how to make sure that we have the and legends. Re, you know, read, reading music is cool, but mm, mm. it's not everything. Yeah, to me, I, who even knows? You know what I mean? When you hear what Jonathan Baptiste was just playing, who knows if he could read? I mean, we know that he can. We know that he can. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah. hear something, it's like you never hear that. It's man, does this guy read music? Well, that no, absolutely. You know what I mean? I so, think it was thinking about more of the exposure. Right. You know, no, I mean, no. Everyone that, had exposure. Right. And and there was some great teachers. You know, Yvonne Bush. My yeah. dad's always talking about Jermaine and, Basil and uh, Walter Harris and uh, his, Clyde Kerr. His cousin Clyde Kerr. So Alvin. Album, Albert, I mean, yeah, there was the guy, uh, kid, kid, kid Jordan. Kid Jordan. So that that helps, but to me now nowadays the, the kids almost need less of that and more of listening to the the greatness of these older blues. The guys playing blues, they playing stuff that had so much passion and meaning. Mm-hmm. Like man, the guys want to get up and run those. I'm like, oh, I hear another guy doing that. It's just, it's such a great disconnect. My advice to the young people, young students is always, you know, get the girls involved. Somehow play something that the girls of your generation are going to like. That's how you build your audience. You know, it's work time and time again. It's like a bunch of dudes are not going to come to your gig. That's just how it goes. The dudes are, work on the girls. Yeah, the dudes are coming because the girls are there. That's just that's just the reality of what it well, is. Well, and I'm sure that's as old as Godshock himself. I mean, that, that's how you that's that's how you that, built the class. That's just what it is. But the point being also that you have to be in touch enough to know what type of music. You know, and some guys say, "Well, man, I, how do I do that and not sell out?" They say, "Bro, you don't have anything to sell. <laughs> how are you going to sell out? What are you even talking about? You know what I'm saying? Sell out what?" You don't have nothing to sell yet. You're too young. <laughs> but uh, this is Chris Scott, huh? That's Christian, I'm Christian, Christian Scott, and yeah. Jewel. Yeah. I love this whole thing. I love again the combination of old school and new school. Well, and when he talks about stretch music, that's what he'll say: is that it's not coming from a place. It, when he's talking about stretch music, it's not coming from a place of a vacuum where he invented all this. He's stretching what has been there. That, I mean, he his his immediate uh, 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 point of reference is what came before. I'm going to ask both of you guys uh, for some homework after the show. I'm going to want you to send me a little bit of a discography that I can include in my next newsletter as a kind of afterword from our discussion because I think that a lot of people want to know what's going on. I used to be so informed on everything that was going on, and then I got to be a little... Not going out at night as much. Well, it's no. tough. You can't. It's tough to do it all. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So um, uh, uh, let's see. Who had? Haven't we touched on um, M- Max Moran? You mentioned bassist and right. Jeffrey, Joe Dyson. We didn't do Joe Dyson. Oh, yet. Jeffrey Miller. Jeffrey Miller. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Miller. Getting your next generation of trombonists. <laughs> yes, yes. So so uh, what I'm hearing is we we got a lot of guys coming up. Women. Women. Where's our women? You know, honestly, we've Bryant over at Tulane, incredible pianist, uh, no Colum. Courtney, Amina, Amina Scott, who is not from here, but she was here for a number of years studying it. Yeah. That's Shorty. Trombone Shorty. She's a young lady that plays alto saxophone. Just graduated, Kristen Theodore. Right. Mm-hmm. Who's that? Uh, her name's uh, Kristen Theodore. Um, I was going to say, at NOCA, honestly, uh, in the past um, uh, three to four years, we've seen uh, a really solid influx of young women uh, who are playing jazz uh, and and even have uh, some all-female combos, which is pretty uh, new to us. I want to do a show on that. I want to do a whole separate show on that. Let's let's plan that. You can help me uh, line those gals up. You got it. Do something with that. You got it. Because, you know, you've got some major jazz women in history who are really important. And uh, I don't hear as much about some of the younger women 
the vocalists, of course, are still here, but not so much the, uh, the musicians. Um, who did we get to? Uh, we're running, we're going to run out of time pretty soon. Uh, Miles Lavat. Oh, I love this. This is great stuff. Miles has been down. And it, well, he's back in town and 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 balancing him between the drums and the and the and the film crew. The camera, right. yeah. <laughs> but he's a he's a Oberlin trained. Yeah, he's a great talent. He's, oh, well. yeah, Oberlin trained percussionist. Where did um? Did, you didn't go to Oval, and you went to uh, Berkeley College, College of Music. Berkeley. Okay. Yeah. Still got him on a poster as you walk into the Huntington <laughs> Hall uh, Performance <laughs> Center. You know, we, we uh, I, okay. I, I have to say, what I've come out of this with, uh, we're almost uh, closing in on the end of the show. Believe it or not, I hate it. I could go on for for a long time with both of you guys, but um, you've reassured me. Yeah, for sure, that the the new legends are out there. But um, it, it sounds like some action is definitely required. But I said earlier before, uh, uh, join, uh, if we take it for granted, it'll all go away. you yeah. you got to be deliberate about making sure, and, and you said a lot of stuff about what, what – what younger generations need to take uh, as part of their their learning and their training, um, it could go away. Right. Well, I don't know that. Well, it, in theory, it could. But you know that there's lots of musicians who are are serious. You know, Donald Harrison and Terrence Blanchard, who are serious about making sure that the youngsters learn. And it, it just at this point, though, I do think that we have to be even more forthcoming and say, look, no, you have to just do this. You know, too many options. That's really the issue that the youngsters have. Too many options. Too many options. But on, on the other hand, those too many options could result in, um, again, these mixings. Like we've been listening to things that have – there hasn't been anything we've played uh, during this show that didn't have more than one influence that was working. <laughs> this is my latest obsession. I am so – hot about this kid bringing the country white world yeah, and the rap world together. So that's what I'm talking about, too. Have you heard this? This is Little Nas. Uh, and, and now we're on. What's what's the country guy's name? Kyle. Um, Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah. So so he 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 does this thing. I want jazz it's, gave that to me. It's not wait, just because I'm. Wait, this the, is country. This is it, he did a country thing. This kid, the rapper, and the the uh, Billboard people. It was going up the Billboard charts, and he and they and they said no no no. This is not. This is not country because it's a rapper doing it. Takes it off the charts. Billy Ray Cyrus comes along and says, what's not country about this? Covers it. They do a mixtape, number one, all over the place. Lil Nas just bought Billy Ray Cyrus a Maserati. Wow. Because in, in the song, it talks about having... Have you seen the video? I've seen some. I knew about Lil Nas going to school in Texas. I'm not even a country fan, but I love this. It's all the blues. It's all the blues, you know. It's all blues. <laughs> I gotta go. I do too. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Gene. Okay, we're all exiting the studio to Will Nas. More to come. Hey guys, thank you very much.